Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards with Impact Cyberchurch. I want to welcome you here. This is the third week in January 2019. Now, you know what? If you made resolutions uh, this year, if you're like most people, you've already broken them, or, or at least you're, you're, you're close to breaking them. But remember, in this series, I am teaching you how to if you want to call them resolutions, how to make decisions, how to make resolutions that actually work, that actually come to pass. Now, I, I want to tell you, I got some great support material for you. Uh, if you really want to dive into the uh, ultimate of understanding how to do this, then Wired for Success is what I want you to read, what I want you to listen to, and uh, it's going to give you the tools to know how to make these kinds of decisions and actually see them through to the end. Now, remember, I talked about this, I think, last week. In the Hebrew, when the Hebrew word talks about uh, uh, prosperity or, or even wealth, and, and of course, you know, Americans, the American church is so anti-prosperity. And part of the reason for that is there was just some crazy stuff taught in the name of biblical prosperity. It was nothing more than greed and selfishness. And I, I, I'm not interested in that because when the Bible talks about prosperity and wealth, it's talking about something that happens because of your character. It's talking about something that happens because of who you are as a person. It's not by scheming and this sort of thing. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you something really interesting. Uh, the Hebrew word for ill-gotten gain, you know, gain that comes from greed or gain that comes from being dishonest or, or this sort of thing, uh, uh, th that, that word uh, is the same word, or when you spell it backwards, which in Hebrew, you'll take a word and you'll spell it frontward, and many times you can see the consequences of that word or the repercussions of that word when you spell it backwards. Well, the concept of ill-gotten gain when you spell it backwards is sadness. You know, the Bible promotes prosperity uh, and success, but it promotes prosperity and success built on your character, built on you being a person of integrity, a person who will use your success uh, to have influence to help people, who will use your prosperity to be generous and bring about beneficial change to the world. It's not talking about you just getting to be a fat cat and, and, and living greedy while everybody else, while everybody else does without. So God is all about success and prosperity built on character. And I'm telling you, this fits in so much with where we're going to be going today and next week in this series. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I am going to open some doorways for you that are, are going to take things that you already know and help you understand or grasp some of the inner workings and, and really help you, help you get these things that you've known for a long time to start working.
You know, I'm not here to get you to throw away everything else you've ever learned. I am here to show you how to take those things and make them work because I'm, I want to help you become a disciple, a person that actually knows how to apply work, God's Word so that it develops you as a person. Now, today we're talking about the faith of God. Now, let me just start off by saying this. When you read Mark eleven twenty two, 22, uh, uh, every translation, just almost that you can find, there's some that say the faith of God. There's some that say uh, other things. But most translations are going to say that Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. Well, when you look that word up in the original language, the word in, the word of, is not there. It just says have faith, theos. And so... So there's a lot of ways that you can go in that concept. There's a lot of ways that you can go in that interpretation. Now, almost everybody knows the story of Mark 11. Jesus and his disciples are they're on their way into the city, and they walk by a fig tree, and that fig tree has no fruit on it. And so Jesus just basically says, May no man ever eat of you again. And nothing happens. Absolutely nothing changes. So they go into the city and they do whatever they're going to do. And then on their way back out, they walk by this fig tree and it's, it's, it has died. It's withered up from the roots. And the disciples say, look, the tree that you cursed has withered up. Now, let me say something. This is so important. It's subtle but important right here. Uh, Jesus did not pronounce an official curse on this tree. All Jesus did was say something negative over it that was connected with a belief and an intention of his heart. Now this is so important that you realize this because so many people curse the works of their hands. They curse their future. They curse their success. They curse, you know, everything that could be going right in their life because they have a belief about themselves. They have a belief about what can and can't happen, and then they speak it. Now, the Bible says, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't think that means every single word that comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. I think we say a lot of random words that mean nothing, that have no influence, that have no power. But I'm going to tell you something. When you speak words that come from the beliefs of your heart, uh, those words do have power. They do influence and affect you and the world around you. And so, so, so many people continually curse the life that they're trying to build. They curse the resolution that they're trying to keep. They curse the faith that they're trying to operate in because instead of dealing with these doubts in their heart and knowing how to deal with them, they continuously speak them into existence and reinforce those faulty beliefs. That's the first thing you want to realize. The second thing that you want to realize is this. When Jesus spoke to that tree, nothing immediately changed. You know, years ago, one of my daughter's was going through something. I, I don't remember what the particular situation was. And so, you know, I, I, I prayed, I spoke life over that situation. And, uh, 
did what I always did, just let it go then, because it's like, you know, once I believe something in my heart, speak it, I expect it's going to happen. And um, so several months later, the manifestation of that thing that I spoke came to pass. And man, I was, I was elated. I was overjoyed. And, you know, I was just worshiping God and thanking Him for fulfilling this. And, 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 you know, it's not that I didn't believe it before, or, you know, but God spoke something really interesting to my heart that set me on a totally different trajectory. He said, if you had fully believed this the day you spoke it, you would have been as happy and rejoicing as much that day as you are this day. You know, um, we tend to not rejoice until we see the manifestation. Now, this fig tree withered from the roots up. Nothing changed when Jesus spoke. Now, what if Jesus had then started canceling out what he spoke by saying other things? What if he had let his, his emotions you know, uh, lead him to doubt and, and he started speaking other things and literally canceled, canceled out the words that he spoke. Because you can do that. You can neutralize the words that you speak. You can neutralize the faith that you, that you put into practice. Uh, the Bible calls it vain faith. Now, just like this curse and all it was was a spoken negative. Jesus didn't say, I curse you. You know, he didn't go into some big ceremonial curse. He just said, may no man ever eat of you again. And in his heart, he believed it was going to happen. Well, by the same token, what if you speak to a, a, a situation in your life, a sickness, a, a financial issue? What if you speak to a situation in your life and you don't see any change? See, the principle is this. The change starts in the roots, it starts at the smallest, most invisible level and then manifests outwardly. But see, our problem is sometimes, sometimes even though we have spoken something, we don't, we don't watch it manifest. And what's going to surprise you is that God, when God created the world, there was a process of time between what he spoke and how quickly it came to pass. And uh, you're going to discover that this is why Jesus told the disciples, and I believe, I don't believe there's anything wrong with interpreting or translating uh, Mark 11:22 by saying have faith in God. That's a given. We're supposed to have faith in God. But I don't think that's what Jesus was communicating based on the example that he showed them with the fig tree. I believe it'd be more appropriate, appropriate to translate that as have faith in God. Now, listen, just kind of give me a little break here. As I told you this month, I am encouraging you to dive into Wired for Success because Wired for Success is all about how to move yourself from where you are to where you want to go in your life because uh, of, uh, of what you believe in your heart and how to develop what you want to have come to pass in your life. If you can develop it in your heart, 
you can, you can take yourself to almost any destination. So be sure and cling to that and be sure and check that out before this is, before this is over because I want to give you the tools to put this stuff into practice, not just tell you about it and hope, hope that you understand it. All right. Now, I've said this several times. There are two foundational, immutable laws of faith. And I am telling you, if you do not believe and to some degree understand these laws of faith and what they mean to us as a human race, you will never be stable in your faith. You might, you know, you'll hit it and miss it sometimes. You'll, you'll, you'll kind of be there. You'll be able to get it to work sometimes. Won't be able to get it to work sometimes. And the two un immutable, unchangeable, foundational laws of faith is you have to believe that the Genesis account of creation is accurate just as it says, and it happens just like the Bible says. If you don't believe that, if you think that's a myth, if you think that it's just kind of written in some kind of loose, casual language, and it didn't really happen in, 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 in six 24-hour days, then I, I've got news for you. Everything in the Bible can be a myth to you beyond that point. And then the second thing you have to believe is you have to believe what it, that we are created in the likeness in the image of God and what all of that implies about how we are supposed to function here on planet Earth. Now remember, I'm sharing these things with you to show you how to make your resolutions or how to make any decision and see that decision come to fruition, see it manifest, see it go from, from something that you desire to something that you uh, believe, to something that you hope for, to something that you have faith for, something that manifests in your life. It comes into concrete being and uh, 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 you, get to, you get to see the, the fulfillment of it. Now, Let's just talk a little bit about God creating the world, what that, what that looked like, what that, you know, how we need to understand that. You know, one of the Hebrew concepts of wisdom is that wisdom sees and grasps the subtle things that the Word of God implies, not just the obvious things. And there are so many subtle things that the Word of God, I mean, it's there, it's, in, it's, it's open, it's, it's what I call an, an open secret. It, it, it's secret because people aren't reading in a meditative way. They're not trusting the Holy Spirit to be their teacher. They're just rushing through reading scriptures as if reading a certain number of verses is what keeps them saved or something. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. But I'm telling you what. Uh, the, the, the Word of God is a treasure that we need to, when we read it, we need to read it like we're, like we're mining for gold or diamonds. We need, to, we need to dig through every crack, every crevice, every rock. We need to examine everything to see if it's a treasure because there's all kinds of treasures there. Now, when God created all things, you just you read the, the English translations of it, and it just says, you know, that God said, let, let this happen. You know, God said, da-da-da. God said, da-da-da. Well, as, as I've shared with you before, 
In the Hebrew, that particular word has a greater emphasis on the fact that God conceived this in his heart before he said it. Now, this is really important because there's another Hebrew word that just uh, puts the emphasis on what a person speaks. But in this particular Hebrew word, the emphasis is on the fact that it was conceived in his heart. Now, God, because we are created in the likeness and the image of God, this means we should look to God. And of course, since Jesus is God in the flesh, since he showed us everything about God, then we need to look to him, as, 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 to God the Father and God the Son. We need to look to as our model and our example for all things. You know, it amazes me how few Christians view Jesus as the model for how we can live life. And they say, well, he's Jesus. Of course he can live that way. But, you know, uh, you know and then we've got all these reasons that we can't. Well, Jesus was a man. He emptied himself. He became a man. And the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that all these things that he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by his innate power as, as a uh, the second person of the Trinity. People say, yeah, but that's different. He was without sin. Let me tell you something. If you've been born again, your spirit man has been made completely free from sin. The only thing sin that you struggle with are these temptations uh, in your flesh where you want to fulfill the desires of your flesh so a war takes place in your mind. But uh, uh, your weaknesses only have to do with how you think and how you believe. Your spirit man has been made completely righteous. All we're trying to do is, is, is believe the truth so that that can manifest in our, in our mind, in our thinking, our body, our emotions, and that sort of thing. So uh, uh, the Bible says Jesus was made like a man in all ways like as we are. He's even tempted in all ways like we, as we are. As a matter of fact, the Apostle John goes as far as to say in, in 1 John chapter 4, the first verse, he says, anybody that denies that Jesus really became a real man with a real human body, that message, not saying that person, that message is from the Antichrist. Because I got news for you. There's one thing the devil don't ever want you to know. He don't want you to know you can do everything Jesus did. He don't want you to know you can live like Jesus. He doesn't want you to know that Jesus, every victory is your victory. So God the Father and God the Son, this is our example. This is, this is where we look to say, this is what my potential is. If, if I'll believe the truth, this is how I can live. This is what I can do. And I really believe strongly in the law of first reference, where you go back and look at the first time you have a model of something and you get the clearest, most simple possible answer for it. Now, so the first example we have of faith is God. God is a faith God. Everything that God did, he did by faith exactly like we have to do it. Because remember, if I'm created in the likeness and image of God, then I function just like God functions. Uh, God is emotional, therefore I'm emotional. Uh, God is social, therefore I'm social. God is relationship-oriented, 
Therefore, I am relationship-oriented. God can have a broken heart. Therefore, I can have a broken heart. In other words, it's easy to understand human nature when you believe that one phrase, we're created in the likeness and the image of God. So remember, your heart is the ultimate seat of your identity, the ultimate seat of how you see yourself, who you believe yourself to be. And, and the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, I mean, I mean the book of Proverbs, fourth chapter, that, uh, that our heart determines the boundaries in our life. In other, words, in other words, it determines the scope of how big our life can be. I got news for you. The, the limitations in our lives, it's not our education, it's not our race, it's, it's, it's not uh, our family that we came from. The, the, the limitations in our life are the result of what, who we believe we are. And that's why we have to come to understand who we are in Jesus. So when God conceived the world that he was going to create outside of himself, that world had to first originate inside of him and it had to fit within the boundaries of his heart just like when I operate faith it's got to fit within the boundaries of my heart. Now in nearly a half century of ministering to people counseling the thing I have found is almost everyone who is having a problem is seeking to solve that problem by dealing with a source outside of themselves. You know, when, you, when, you, when Paul talked about what he was going through, and Paul went through some hardships, and he talked about his thorn in his flesh. Uh, you know, many uh, uh, theologians who don't believe in the miraculous, they say, well, Paul's thorn in the flesh was that he had a disease. There is not one word of the New Testament that indicates that Paul has a disease. I mean, you, there are some places where they have to stretch. You know, for example, in one place, Paul says, you see what large letters I write? We don't know if that's talking about the individual letters or if that's just talking about how long of a letter that he wrote. But, uh, but it certainly does not even indicate that he has a disease. And so many people say, see, he had an eye disease. And that's why, that's why he had to have a secretary. No, the reason he had to have a secretary is because he was, he was speaking uh, in Aramaic and he needed uh, a, a good translator to translate these letters into Greek when they were written to Greek-speaking communities, to the Gentile communities. And, and, and that was not uncommon for people to have secretaries that, that they dictated their letters to. So, so the thorn in Paul's flesh, instead of just reaching out in thin air and trying to find something to come up with this, why don't we look at what the Bible says a thorn is? Because, because Paul used biblical examples. Well, the biblical example of a thorn would be the when the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan, God explained to them that those pagans, those people that would persecute them, would be a thorn to them. Now, 
I would say that the Jews that tried to kill Paul in every city that he went to would qualify for a thorn. I would say the Romans who held him prisoner uh, would qualify for a thorn. I would say all those people that opposed him qualified to be thorns in his flesh. And so Paul is in the middle of all this persecution and he says, I sought the Lord three times to remove this thorn. Now I've heard songs written about it. I've heard sermons written about it. God, when God says no, and they reference this, God did not say no. God didn't tell Paul he wasn't going to help him. God said, my grace is sufficient. You see, so many times when we're facing situations, we think that the solution is for God to change people out there. Man, I get letters all the time from women saying, you know, I have been interceding for my husband for 25 years and my prayers continue to go unanswered. He still hadn't changed. Well, I got news for you. It's not your job to pray for your husband to change. Uh, it's your job for you to change uh, and for you to be an example and for you to walk godly. Uh, him changing is his, is his free will and God's not going to violate his free will. So when, Paul, when God said, my grace is sufficient, what, what God was saying is, look, what you got to walk through, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you ability. I'm going to give you a capacity to walk this out. And I'll tell you, there are times in any situation, even no matter what it is, there are times, yep, when, when things outside you can change. But many times you get the grace and the wisdom to walk through that situation. So, so we got to learn that problems, when we're trying to solve problems in our environment, we have to start within ourselves. Because you see, when God created a world that mirrored who he was. Every time God would go through a phase of creation, he would say, and he saw that it was good. Now that word good in the Hebrew not only indicates that it was good, desirable, and pleasant, but it also indicates that it was harmonious. Harmonious with what? With what? Harmonious with who he is. Now, we have to realize that we are continually influencing and helping create an environment around us. But that environment that we're creating is always harmonious with who we are. You see, that's why Jesus says, you're always going to get more of what you got. Because what's happening around you, how you're influencing people, the world that you're creating around you is harmonious with who you are. You can't create a world around you. You can't create a world around you. You can't attract people to you. You can't put deals together. You can't have businesses or success that is disharmonious with who you are, who you perceive yourself to be what part of Christ you have or haven't put on. And so the key, the ultimate key to every resolution coming to pass is looking at that re resolution and say, in order for this to happen and last, you see, you can do things that'll blow up because you'll blow them up if they're bigger than, if they're bigger than your sense of self. You will self-destruct when you reach that goal. But see, when you establish your heart and your identity in Christ, 
And the more you develop your identity into Christ, the more you effortlessly, conversationally speak these things into existence. Conversationally speak your success out into the world around you and influence the people around you and attract the kind of people that will bring you success. So I want you to consider my resolutions, am I basing those on who I am as a person and who I want to be as a person? And am I pursuing developing me and my heart first? I want to say it again. Wired for success is going to teach you how to develop your heart so that your successes last. Listen, man, I got so much more to share with you. I'll be talking about you this next week. Be sure and join me. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.